Unspoken Issues. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unspoken Issues podcast. We are back. When I say we, it is me, Jesse Starcher, and over there is Dean Compton of the Unspoken Decade. Dean Compton, you said, here's the schedule. I want to talk about one of my least favorite characters, and that's the Punisher. <laughs> yeah. Well, Fuck that guy. You got to <laughs> you, you gotta throw some people a bone sometimes. All right. <laughs> I am a person who does not care for Frank Castle, the Punisher. I do not have 97% of his appearances ever, you know, of all time. <laughs> Including a 9.2 slab to Amazing Spider-Man number 129. I thought I'd do this for the people. All right. Yes. For the fans. For the, for the New fans. Yorkers. For the New Yorkers. Frank Castle's theirs, right? So anyhow, <laughs> that's the kind of guy I am. Very magnanimous. Obviously, everyone listening knows that's a whole, like, you know, fucking 10 pounds of monkey crap in a five-pound bag, as The Rock would say. I love The Punisher, and uh, every chance we get, I try and move him in here, and y'all are very gracious. Y'all like The Punisher, you know, around half as much as I do, I suppose. So, like, every chance we get, you know, I can I can push him through, you know, and uh, and this time, you know, we did Euro Hit. This is the one, I, the one I picked. I picked it over Suicide Run. That was my original thing, but I read Suicide Run. I wasn't feeling it. I wanted... I wanted something that was a little more colorful, a little less dour, something that had bad rock, zelipa. Bad rock, zelipa. Zelipa. Oh, oh, man. So, yeah, this comes out June of 1992. Derry, did you know this was a thing until Dean talked about it? Or, or, or what's your thoughts here on Eurohit? I did. I, I read a couple of these uh, when they came out back in the early 90s. I did not have the entire run. I wasn't picking up Punisher regularly. If it was there and I grabbed it, great. Uh, I do love the character. And for whatever reason, I had never gone back to it. And then Dean suggested it, and I sat down, and I saw it was uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning of Annihilation fame. I read the entire seven issues of Euro Hit in a single sitting. I couldn't put it down. I enjoyed it so much. Uh, I kept thinking, I wish this had been... A Punisher movie. I wish this had been a sequel to the Dolph Lundgren one because that's exactly what it is. It is just, it is two pure hours of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. I read the rest of their run uh, through 75, which we're not going to wow. cover tonight, but I just equally as good. Like, I just really enjoyed it. And this is going to go into my Punisher rotation. So I, again, fun through and through. The best right. uh, Abnett Landing Punisher, though, surprisingly enough, is in Punisher Warzone, a story called Psycho, where, like, these this, like, rogue government agency starts, like, capturing all of these psychos and, like, brainwashing them and thinking they're in a just a regular town doing, like, Andy Griffith shit. And then they'll, like, play it, you know, play something on their TV and they'll go kill somebody. Well, Frank Castle winds up involved in this and, you know, hijinks ensue. But that's my favorite Ab Abnett Lanning uh, Punisher. This would be number two. And you calling it, a, you know, like a movie thing is great because when I've described this to people before, I'm like, it's probably the most James Bond the Punisher ever gets in a lot of ways. He's jet setting across Europe, always a step behind the bad guy sometimes, somehow. And uh, he also uses a glider suit. So that seems very James Bondish to me. I did get the very first issue of this. And I'm pretty Certain, I, yeah, I'm pretty certain I bought this off of the shelf, but I don't think I got any of the other issues as far as I know off the rack. Now, I might actually have ended up with a couple of them like at it from an auction, but I never had the opportunity to sit down and read the whole thing. So I knew it was a thing. I read the first issue, but I had no idea what we were getting uh, going to get after it. So when I, it came out for real back in the day, I only had the last part. Like, it's oh, yeah, like only the uh. 
the second Punisher comic I've ever bought. Now, I bought the uh, Daredevil Dead Man's Hand that guest starred Punisher, but Punisher Warzone number five was the first Punisher comic like that's ever mine. Now, I liked the Punisher before this because I had seen the movie and had some of the cards, um, uh, but like this was the second one I bought. I bought this and a Wonder Man. It might have been Wonder Man uh, 13. It's an Infinity War crossover. I bought them oh, okay. at the same time. They were $1.25 each, and I wanted three comics. I wanted those two and Infinity War number three, but mom was like, you can have that one or those two because two dollars and fifty cents a princely sum yeah <laughs> and like where would she ever come up with this money so so i got those two so the only one i ever had was the last one i read that thing the cover fell off i pinned the cover to my wall i mean i oh yeah yeah there's a line in that the last one where like micro is talking about tarantula and he's like nice guy once you get past the spikes and i have <laughs> used that line forever since Really anybody now. who I don't get along with, who I didn't get along with, like Derry, nice guy. Once you get past the spikes, it's true. That's canon. That's canon. And also, I bought it. I did not steal it. My mom bought it. But <laughs> okay. I did steal the Infinity War number three that she would not buy me. So <laughs> there was no stopping Dean Compton. He was going to get it. His hands Eventually, on it. Actually, I did get stopped by Independence <laughs> County's finest. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so this started June of 1992. This goes through Punisher issues 64 through 70. I'll do a big, here's the big summary of the whole thing. Frank, the Punisher, is tracking a a Kingpin-employed hitman named Snakebite to England, and the Punisher learns of a plot by the Kingpin to kill the heads of European crime syndicates in order to facilitate a unified criminal regime under his control. But Frank is not alone as he makes some friends along the way. Nigel, a young man uh, by the name of Outlaw, who looks up to the Punisher, bringing his own sense of justice for, across the pond. Morgan Sinclair, who runs afoul of Snakebite and becomes friends with Frank after he saves her. And along with the help of Micro, the four make their way across England, France, Germany, Switzerland, and Spain, trying to put a stop to Kingpin's plan. But in order to do that, they must first deal with various criminal organizations. The Agile, Batrock, Zilipar. The, de- <laughs> the deadly Rapido and the venomous Tarantula. It's all here in the Punisher issues 64 through 70 in a story titled Euro Hit. So uh, the creative team, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, Dougie Braithwaite, pencils pe- on pencils, Al Williamson inks, Ian Laughlin colorist, Ken Lopez letterer. And I will tell you the colorist change, I think, uh, on Colorists are Christy Shield and Ian Laughlin contributed to this story. Let's just get things out of the way here first. Okay, I've already done the summary. Let's talk about characters. We all know the Punisher, but Dean, I'm going to leave it to you to just kind of briefly drop who the Punisher is. So our listeners, if they've never heard of the Punisher and they're tuning into this podcast, who is this guy and what what is his motivations? Decorated Marine, slaughtered family, empty inside, quest for vengeance. Very good. Very good. I mean, obviously there's more than that, but that's basically it. Frank Castle's family, a decorated Marine, he came home. They went for a picnic in Central Park. Some bad guys blasted him with the mob. He survived. Since then, he has declared a one-man war on crime, known as the Punisher. And uh, he's got a lot of guns and a lot of knives. And he can ninja kick stuff. He can fly a helicopter. Do it all, baby. And he does it all in Eurohead. So that's basically the Punisher. That's my <laughs> Grant Morrison take. I hope it works. I love it. I love it. Going into this. Punisher, of course, created by Jerry Conway, 
Ross Andrew and John Ramirez Senior. Just uh, throwing that out there with a little bit of a little bit of Len Wein. Am I making that up? What do you What do you uh, think? He was editor in chief at the time. I think Stan Lee gave him the name. Oh yeah, right. assassin. And yeah, okay. Punisher, which he had used for uh, a Galactus. Punisher lands in I think he's la- he lands in the London Docklands Airport, eight forty eight p.m. August twenty third. So is that I, tell, tell, of London? Tell, tell us, Derry, is it, it does it actually exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called now. It's called London City Airport, but uh, yeah, they got they got more than one airport. So it's no. Well, that, that tracks. I mean, it's a city of like ten million people, right? You yeah, know? we got four within driving distance. So yeah, I, I I'm not saying it's impossible. I was just surprised they they had more than one. Right. Gary's uh, favorite is Newark. Just like that's the number one for him. Likes to fly into Newark every single time. That I have to go to Newark Airport. It is the worst day I have ever had in my entire life. They're all tied. I, I very quick story, and we'll get back to this nonsense only because it relates to comics. So, I've been married eleven years. The first convention I went to after we got married was Heroes Con down down south. I'd never been before. I was super excited to go. Charlotte, Charlotte, thank you. My buddy was coming with me. The guy I used to go to San Diego with years ago, and for whatever reason, he's like, "We have to go out of Newark." I was like. Why? We cannot get there on public transport. We're going to have to go into New Jersey. It is not good for anyone. <laughs> we have to go. So I was like, fine. I booked the tickets. I did everything else. Again, quick trip. It's only a couple hours. At the very last minute, it became very obvious that whatever way he thought we were going to get in there wasn't going to happen. So I had to ask my wife, who was not coming on this trip, like immediately after we got married, to drive us from here to Newark, drop us both off, and then come all the way back. And it was just like the most miserable. It was, I felt awful. I was like, I cannot, I'm never doing this again. I promise I will always, I will always go out of one of the ones I can get to on the train going forward. But it was the most miserable experience. Thankfully, the convention was fucking awesome. I would go back to Heroes Con in a heartbeat. It's a great show. It's a great city, good barbecue. But, uh, oh my God, I, I I nearly killed him getting on that plane. So fuck Newark Airport, I will say that. (laughs) Yeah, Jesse, if you ever fly in New York City, you fly into LaGuardia. Like, that's the best one. It's easy All right, to get Ben. Yeah, I'll remember that. One. Every time I've flown into New York. It's, it's the most north, other than the, the one by my house, but the one by my house is a tiny region. The one in Westchester? The Westchester Airport is, is I go out of it just because I can get to it pretty much without taking a highway, but it's 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 very, very small. So, Which airport do you think is the Punisher's favorite? Because it fucks with my head that he decided to just, like, Oh, I'll just take a fucking civilian airline over there. Who will find me the most right. vigilante in the Marvel Universe? So My, which airport of the four in New York City do you think Punisher flew out of? I think it's JFK. I think it's JFK because JFK is in Brooklyn. And I, in my head, the Castiglione's are from Brooklyn. So I think he like he goes home. He walks through his old neighborhood. He takes a yellow cab over to JFK. He, it's you know, he, Yeah, oh, he gets a slice. He gets a cup of coffee. And then he gets on the thing. And he, and he leaves uh, internationally. I, I think he's a JFK guy, no questions asked. I also agree with Broughton. Oh. My, my pro's already over there, too. Like, my pro's the smart one, right? Like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah. I'll find a back way into England. Frank, right. I don't know any back ways. Well, he can, like, he's got the, the magic hack the planet powers, right? So whatever no-fly list he's on pre-9-11, he could just be like, that's some other David Lieberman. You're not looking for me. That's racism shit. So he just... You know, unchecks the box, sits first class, and then he's all set. Yeah, he's a better hacker than Crash Override from the movie. (laughs) 
but not better than zero cool. Zero cool micro crash overrun. That's the, the, those are the listings in 1992. But crash overrun and zero cool are the same guy. Are they the same person? They're the same what? guy. So is it like Superman Red and Superman Blue? What is Angelina Jolie's character's name? I can't remember her name. Oh, I thought she was crash override. I'm sorry. Though I do like the idea of doing a Superman Red, Superman Blue sequel to Hackers. I'm taking that idea. Thank you. Thank you very, what very much. That I actually love Superman Red, Superman Blue because Superman Red is oh, how so I write the, the character. Yeah. So so thank you. But yeah, I think it's very funny that he just tried to go in the front door to Europe, especially considering you see him travel other places all the time, and usually he's just there. The guy's been all over the world to like fight Saracen in the Middle East and fight uh, the Russian mob in Moscow, and like they've never been like, ah, Frank took Air Russia and had to sneak his way off fucking plane. He's just there. <laughs> to get places. I really do think there's a narrative reason for that, though. I was going to get into this a little later, but okay. you know. Um, the writers and the artists, so the primary creative team on this book, they're all British. This isn't just Frank's European vacation necessarily. This is three creators saying, hey, we want to bring him over here and 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 have this really popular character kind of play in our backyard. So I almost wonder, like, when uh, Andy Lanning uh, and the other one would go through to, to have to come to America, the did they go I can't remember his name. I don't know why I can't remember his name. I feel terrible. <laughs> but do they go through Dockland Airport? Like, were, have they been delayed here? And they were like, wow, wouldn't it be great to have Frank Castle, like, kick over the luggage carousel and have to fight Interpol in this place we've been stuck for three hours? Like, I almost wonder if that if that was the reason they had him take public transport instead of, to your point, just being like, oh, I'm in London. I don't want to talk about how I got here because, you know, I'm one of the most wanted people in the world. But no, that, And I assume that's what it is, too. You know, you're going to put... You know, like you said, these guys are, you know, this is, this is their home. They're European. So they're going to put Punisher, like they go to that lodge and the one thing that is a decidedly European thing, this yeah. fucking lodge in the fucking Swiss Alps, you know, not that we don't have lodges here, but like this, this one was like, like a vampire shit a house. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was so like European points, parapets, all that shit. I love it. I love it. I, there, there's I, I think a, you're right. I think it is just purely, these are, these are places he can go that are real that, you know, would, uh, you know, they, they, if you were reading this in England, you know, it would pop a response. Just like right. the George Washington bridge joke with GW bridge does for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know. The other thing I was thinking about, you, you mentioned Grant Morrison and with respect to all-star Superman, but when Morrison wrote Batman incorporated or Batman and Robin, something during uh, the Batman run, there was an entire arc set in London. And in an interview, Morrison kept saying, one of the reasons I wanted to do this is I've been on the book so long, I thought I could do a little bit of a vanity project. And I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, Morrison is incredibly familiar with, with London being a, a native of Scotland. And it was like, well, I want to have Batman be in this locale, at least for one arc. I want to do the the James Bond thing. I want to have the bat rope swinging around uh, more noticeable things. I want to see him bouncing off uh, black cabs. So I thought that was another. Hanging on to the hour hand on big. big exactly. Guys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was one of these things where it's like, you know, it's, it's still a Punisher comic. You're still all the people who were reading it last month. are going to read it next month, but you know, you get to, you get to put him in a fancy location. And, and to your point, it definitely has a bond feel. I, I, I wasn't thinking that when I was reading it, but now going back to it, it's like, oh, yeah, this has the idea of hopefully no one will recognize me, but of course someone does. And then you get a fight scene in the middle of a crowded area. So, um, 
Another thing I want to point out about this too is this was bi-weekly, and this was a big deal during the uh, during this time with Marvel. I don't think you could I don't think you could put out a bi-weekly book now. Like I just I don't think uh, most artists would handle or want to handle the workload. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I just think that's more or less how it is, unless they could get far ahead. But like they were cranking this motherfucker out. Like it's it's seven parts. Yeah, seven. Yeah. So like you think about that. So this happened in like three and a half months. Yeah, you know, like so in every two weeks you go and, and, and it would be there. I love the idea. I had a card. Uh, one of the first times we went to the comic book store, my uh, these old ladies who ran the comic book store is also like a used book. So like, you know, they just kind of did comics, too, because her kid got it. And like she gave me a promo card for this. And it's just red. And that's the Punisher skull on the front and the black skull. And on the back, it's just like, here's your checklist. Don't miss the bi-weekly Euro hit. Good wow! Time, man. Good time. I mean, I I treasured that thing forever. I eventually lost it. I kept it in my wallet for a while. Like, what's that what about? It? Like, oh, I don't want to. What if I'm missing my weekly issue in 1994, <laughs> two years after it came out? But uh, so I'm it's just like, like a little promo card. That's that sounds pretty cool. I typed in Euro hit promo card. Yep, I see it there. You said it was red, red card, black, black skull. skull. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's sick, dude. Yeah, I that got that the sick. first time I went to the comic book store. And as a poor kid, anything you could get for free was big. And they had right. this stuff. Y'all know the comic book store shit right there. That like the comic shop news and these little bookmark maybe. Every now and then like a little trinket figure. Every time I was getting those. I also would not get bags with my comics because they were a nickel each. And so like, hey, 10, you know, 10 comics, that's 50 cents. 50 cents is a Dr. Pepper, which they also sold, which I would need to read the comic. <laughs> My, my favorite giveaway from the comic book store is for original sin, they did rubber balls of the watcher's eye. Uh, and I, I have, do you, do you remember original sin, the Jason Aaron cross? I know exactly what you're talking about, but they were given that out. So it was like a promo. So it was like, it was like a rubber ball that you would get out of like the quarter machines. And on the front, it had an iris on the back. It said original sin from Marvel. And I remember walking in one Wednesday and seeing a box of eyes. The guy who owns the store, his name was Steve. And I'd be like, Steve, is there something you want to tell me? Like, would we have these? He's like, no, no, no. It's a, it's a promo. It's a promo for this, for this thing. And I I look at the back and has original sin. And I, I threw one in my pocket. I came across it the other day. And I was like, how am I going to explain to my kids that this is for related to a comic book? Like this is related to that thing on all their, on all the t-shirts and everything else. It's just, I wouldn't, you know, I would, you know how I would tell them it's related to a comic book. You'd be like, Hey, you're old enough to know. Don't mess up my comic books. I had a kid before you all. This is what's left. of <laughs> I like that. I, I actually might use that. That's good. <laughs> so let's just jump into parts one and three here and we'll kind of talk about some of the characters that are showing up and you know you guys and i got my notes here for parts one and three but parts one and three are basically punisher arrives in england he gets befriended by nigel the guy that goes by the name of outlaw uh, a man who like i said looks up to frank emulates frank and is fighting crime kind of like frank over in england rides around on a motorcycle and has uh he has a skull if i remember right but he's got like on his you know on his uh, on his shirt, but he's got like weapons behind it. It looks like I don't yeah. know if one's one's like a cricket stick. I don't know, but a- anyway, yeah, there's Casey Jones. That's where I was going. Got to know crumpet. <laughs> that's where I was going. He's chasing after. Well, let me stop with uh, let me stop with Nigel here. Derry, what do you think of Nigel? We, we meet Nigel here in these first three issues. Give me your thoughts. N- N- Nigel's great because, uh, again, in typical movie fashion, 
Nigel the outlaw just happens to be at the airport when Frank is walking through and gets attacked by Interpol. And again, all this stuff he couldn't have foreseen or anything like that. Also uh, but because th- he happens to be going after the same guy Frank is after. Right. Well, this is like this is like a coincidence, like to Durkin. <laughs> There's like okay. a coincidence inside a coincidence. But but again, I'm I'm not knocking it because again, if no, this if this were the opening scene of a film, I would be absolutely about it because within 30 seconds, you know, Frank is doing the diehard thing of walking slowly through an airport, and then you know, instead of getting a bear and getting in a limo, he's uh, you know he's getting on a motorcycle that's branded. And he's off into a city that he's never been to before. Well, Micro was like, well, what do I do now? I guess I follow them. Who, who knows what's going to happen? The, the, the thing I love most about Nigel is, is he's, a, he's a British version of the Punisher, which is fine. But at the same time, Frank is kind of looking at him like a litmus test. Like, this guy's younger than me. He's got all the energy that I no longer have. And he's got his, he's building his war, right? He's fighting his war. I'm going to see what he's made of. Like, at no point does he sit him down and be like, Nigel, you shouldn't be doing this. I'm doing this because there's nothing else left. You shouldn't be doing this. Um, He kind of fills him out. He kind of almost gets that, like... You know, maybe there is something here. And I, I like well, that about him. I want to stay out of the way a lot. Like, you're useless. I think that's sort of the harder version of you shouldn't do this. Because let's be honest, Frank ain't playing patty cake with nobody. He, no. He's he's not. And again, I don't think that the Punisher is looking for, you know, a, a true sidekick or anything. But I kind of read that as... Like Frank's also a career military guy. So, you know, the, the, the new person, the rookie, it's like, okay, listen, you need to stay out of line of fire until you see how things are done. Cause I don't want to have to escort your body back to the States. So that's kind of how I read it. Yeah. It was almost, it was almost like if Nigel can watch me and see what I do and he's going to insist on doing this when I, when I go home, he might make it, you know, and he might save couple people here because uh you know frank doesn't have a ton of experience in western europe but you know there's crime everywhere so i think also the attitude that punisher has in regard to outlaw also ties back to the mike baron willis Bertaccio kingpin rules where Kane, where frank did take on like three people uh, uh Conchita, a high school young man who I can't remember, and a high school teacher. And they, like, went and were training everything. And, and two of them died, and they died terribly. You know what I mean? And so he's not, you know, he's already tried to, like, oh, I'll have an army. And it didn't work. I mean, granted, two people, three people, you know, not too much of an army per se, but it is mine. Like you're saying, he's getting that militaristic thing going again. And now I think every time he meets somebody who does what he does or wants to do something similar, like you're saying, he doesn't want them to die because everybody else who's ever who's ever gotten involved in this war with him, they either you know they died either because like the bad guys killed them or because Frank killed them because it turned out they were the fucking bad guy. Right. <laughs> right. Outlaw is a great character. Another thing I really like about Outlaw is uh, he is uh, decidedly British and he is young and he is black. And I really appreciate that they put a, a British black guy into this comment because I think that the black perspective in Britain, it's not entirely dissimilar from the one here, but it is different. And you can tell that he, he you know, he doesn't use, he doesn't use like uh, what we would consider to be like uh, African American slang. He talks like a British guy. He likes soccer. You know what I mean? So I just think this is a really cool. He's already a well-rounded character and a diverse character in a book that honestly really could use some diversity because most of the minorities that show up 
and Punisher comics get shot. And I mean, and, and we can have a commentary about that, you know, in and of itself, because it does send a bad message and it's not great, you know, obviously. Um, and there should be more of this. And this was a way to get some color, some some B, some uh, BIPOC into the Punisher's world, which can be difficult. Obviously, Micro is Jewish, but that's really the most diverse that that world gets for the most part. Lynn Michaels is a lady. I I couldn't believe after reading this that there wasn't an outlaw miniseries the next month. Like I, well, I was cons- thinking, yeah, considering and, the know, time, I, I can't believe that they didn't use them in the Marvel UK stuff. Uh, yeah, but night. I feel like I feel like at the period of time we're talking about. Oh uh, no, I was gonna say they were winding down, but no, this would have been like no, the no, motor no, mouth kill power like days. Yeah, they yeah. No, no, you're right. So much as they fall off a goddamn cliff. Well, really yeah. I mean, fall, that's like, yeah. They don't have a graceful landing, but uh, they, but yeah. They used the Punisher some, and I just think that this would have been a natural way to get the Punisher back or a character. And Abnett and Landing wrote several of the Marvel UK books. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why they didn't? Um. Uh, Utilize Outlaw some because he would have fitted naturally, like with Motor Mouth. I mean, yeah. obviously they both curse a lot. He could have done. He would have done uh, very well with uh, Death's Head. Yeah. You know? And even um, uh, Dark Angel. I also think there was probably room for him there as well. Yeah. So you're... Uh, all five of the Marvel UK fans listening, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day we have to do something with Marvel UK because there, there's there's something there. I, I don't. I I won't call it. Uh, greatness but there's there's something there there's something that dies on the vine so i i i i will say i i with each passing year i have a little bit more appreciation for marvel uk but but i i agree looking back i cannot believe that there wasn't a four issue outlaw miniseries with this character saying spinning out of euro hit marvel uk you know Not and just foil cover. Oh, exactly exactly <laughs> 4.99 foil cover and then he shows up in a couple of things and for some reason they shove wolverine in issue four and then you know he goes on to be one of the knights of pendragon I, i'm just saying like it seems yeah. like a no that, that i was thinking i forgot about them but I, I was in the back of my head he could have been one of the knights of pendragon yeah. like union jack <laughs> Joey Chapman. That's the only reason I know about it because I went back and read it because I'm such a huge Joey Chapman fan. So uh, yeah. the first volume's really good. I yeah. also think that you know uh, another character who joined the, up with the Punisher around this time, also Black Shotgun. Also, like you never hear from him again yeah. uh, outside of this. And I think that both of these characters could be utilized to. Uh, I mean, listen, I don't think any of them are going to push the Hulk or Iron Man out of the way as front runners. But in a world where like Devil Dinosaur and Squirrel Girl are like A minus players, I don't think there, I think there's stories to be told about those two. And I'm not bad mouth Squirrel Girl or Devil Dinosaur. Love them both. In 1992, it probably would have been easier to sell in a, a black British Punisher spinoff title than it would have been a new Iron Man book. I, I'm just putting that out there. Considering how popular the Punisher was at this period of time, and Iron Man was just about to go into the, the show and everything else and then immediately drop off into Teen Tony territory, I'm just saying, not, not the character's finest moment. Not RDJ, certainly. Well, Kaminsky's still doing Iron Man at this point, so it's still pretty good until like he gets off of it. As far as the second Iron Man title, it depends on whether you consider War Machine one or not. War Machine sold pretty well. I know it's yeah. not about Iron Man, but it is decidedly an Iron Man spin-off. Yeah, true. That's a good point. So the other person that he runs into, Snakebite, ends up taking a uh, – let's talk about Snakebite first because, you know, this is a hired hitman. I never – again, first time I'd read this, and I, I can't even remember – 
you know, that this being the main character, or I should say the main motivation for Frank reading the first issue when I did way back then. So Snakebite came into my mind and it left my mind. So I, well, he never you... does anything else in the Punisher world. Like he's not like Jigsaw or Saracen, you know, right. uh, or, or Barracuda, somebody who Frank, you know, doesn't kill for whatever reason. Although I think he could have been. Honestly, I think Snake Bites, you know, two things about him. Number one, I do think he was too interesting to have killed. They really should have tried to, you know, keep him along, keep him around, bring him back. Number two, in my head canon, he's Australian. There's nothing oh, about really? him that, like, you know, he doesn't speak with an accent. But, like, that guy just looks Australian to me. So he's Australian. What did no, he say he was? Did they say I don't know he, if it does. I don't. I don't know. I I have it in my head that he is from the south. Oh, he's like, he's I, definitely from Texas for me. I, yeah, I don't know yeah. why. Texas. Well, you know what? what? The accents aren't as as yeah, dissimilar as you think. It's wild. Australians uh, and British people can do my accent better than either of you Yankees. <laughs> yeah, you ain't kidding. Texas works. That's what I had in my head. I, I was thinking like snake, like rattlesnake. He wears that stupid hat. It's the hat. I, and yeah. he's got the little whatever the bolo tie or whatever he's that got thing a bolo is called. Yeah, I mean, that'd be plain, but, but what's funny is like they wear all that shit in Australia too. Like, <laughs> I mean, you not everybody me that Australian Texas the and their cowboys are very much like uh, the Texan cowboys, if you will. Yeah. Okay, all right, but uh, but like, listen, he doesn't have to be Australian. I think he's cool. I think his little uh, his gun thing is cool. I think he has a lot of plot armor in this, like a tremendously large amount. But that's fine. That's part of the point. But uh, you know, you got to have plot armor for your main uh, antagonist. So there's a good payoff. My biggest problem with the whole thing, though, and it ties into Snakebite, in the in, in that like Frank Castle has to be bailed out again and again and again. Especially against the snake bite guy. And I'm like, I feel like he's killed guys who are like better more easily. And like, I feel like it's weird how much is sometimes the agency gets taken away from Castle from the first issue where like he has to get rescued, where he gets rescued in the very last issue, you know, by um, Morgan Sinclair. They both, they both fucking soap opera shit. That's a soap opera name (laughs) if I've never heard one. Oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. But, uh, but but no, I like I like Snakebite. I think he has a good vibe. I think that you know he could have he could have stuck around. Yeah, and if, I if, agree. if I were ever to get to write the Punisher, I would try and introduce a, like a character called Snakebite with connections to him, but not bring him back. Yeah, I don't want to I don't shit on the canon, Jesse. I'm a real. I hear you. I hear you. Snakebite is one of those great move the story forward villains, right? Because. Yeah. He, he's good in every situation. He shows up in one of these countries that uh, Frank has to find his footing on, and Snakebite is already killing people. And, and Frank makes a point of constantly saying, like, Snakebite only needs the one shot. He's going to do one shot, he's going to take out, and he's going to move on to the next thing. So it's almost like a video game. Like, I have to stop him from getting that one shot to kill the guy and move on. Again, going back to what we were saying earlier, very Bond-esque, uh, very, like, you never know the guy's real name. You know he's a henchman. You know he's reporting up the chain to the kingpin uh but in and of himself a very interesting character i liked him i was surprised that he was introduced in the first issue because this story hits the ground running and i was wondering if oh maybe he was chasing him last story or there was a reason he was coming to europe but no um you know dan and and andy really just hit the ground running with this guy and i thought that was good too because they allow you to build up why he's so dangerous as frank chases him 
And then the only other thing I'll say is I just I love the name like Snakebite. Like it's just one of those things. It's like why is he called that? We don't know. We're never going to get around to knowing it. It's just like a very action movie thing. Like I could almost picture the actor, whomever it would be, twenty years later sitting at a comic book convention and being like, "Hey, were you Snakebite in that Punisher Euro hit movie?" He's like, "Yes, I was." Would you like a photograph? I'm like, "Absolutely." Yeah. You go to get one. He slides the guns out of his. He slides the guns, oh, right? Yes. Just, just. Bam! Yeah. Just, just yeah. two Derringers. Like, right, uh, right. I, I thought he was a because great like, villain because it's, it's a hidden weapon, much like the knife that the guy from Madison Square Garden <laughs> in the Carnage comics had. He brought that thing in. It was hidden. You didn't ever know where it was going to come from. It just comes right out. Ready to go. Snakebite, also ready to go. I really respect oh, him. He probably learned that. Oh my gosh! Well done. Well done. Well. Wow. Done. <sighs> He's proud of himself. I can tell. You're proud of me, Jesse. <laughs> All right, so Snakebite, he's involved uh, in whatever plot that Kingpin has going on, which Kingpin is apparently doing some legitimate business over in London uh, with the, what is it called? They call it the Chunnel. Yeah. uh, Which that was big news then, man. Oh, my God, the Chunnel. They are building a tunnel from England to France. (laughs) I remember hearing about this when I was like six, and I was like, my God, we'll have a tunnel from the Atlantic. Africa in no time. Yeah, any minute now. He's involved in some legitimate business, but also, obviously, this nefarious stuff that's going on. Morgan Sinclair shows up, who's apparently been working uh, with this. Uh, she's involved in this deal, working for the Kingpin. In regards to the legitimate. No yes, that's correct. About that. She, she shows up at the channel beginning of the channel or whatever they're doing here and runs into snake bite snake bike takes her uh, as hostage as a hostage i mean dean you got anything to say like- murders her friend like oh, yeah. he's with her i yeah. think the most important thing she has is she's apparently connected as fuck like right. apparently like apparently like despite being uh, on the up and up herself everyone she has ever met in her childhood <laughs> thanks to, you know through her and her father is apparently in a european mob so i really yeah. uh, so that's one of the things that's pretty cool as it goes along like her dad's one of the people who's getting hit so she keeps trying to get to like her family members to warn them usually a step and a half behind Snake bite. She's not a damsel in distress, though, because like you said, she's very strong. She holds off Batrock several times. She shoots Batrock. She's not scared of snake bite. Just she, like it seems like the more dangerous it is, she just gets more pissed off. Right. You know, I mean, like she's like, this should not be happening. Probably, you know, she never says this, but she's, you know, she knows that her family is nefarious and they're doing mob shit. And it seems like she didn't want part of that. But here she is, despite, you know, what I would assume going to college, getting an advanced degree, working connections, working her way up, and now is in a very prominent position. Like, in charge of, like, maintenance and shit on the fucking channel, you know, like, the big project. And now here it is, dragging her into it, which is, she's like, I didn't want it, I never wanted any of this. And even, even worse, it's not like somebody kidnapped her, you know, because they knew who she was. It's all a fucking coincidence, which probably pissed her off more. So the more Snakebite, you know, does, the more pissed off she gets, which he will eventually pay for. And my second read-through... I know you said it's a coincidence, but I thought to myself, and and this is not stated in the book anywhere, but I was like, you know what? I bet the Kingpin chose her specifically because of what she, how connected she was in order to advance it. Now that's not even said. It's good. You know, it's good fan theory. I mean, that makes sense. She has no intent on helping Kingpin do what he's planning on doing. She's just trying to be do whatever legitimately she's supposed to do. She ends up getting taken hostage, and Frank, of course, 
rescues her. They end up going to France. They end up in France and Snakebite escapes. There's a memo that she she grabbed off of Snakebite during this fracas that, uh, you know, when he was trying to grab a hold of her. And it's Why got a bunch of targets on there. He can't remember all them names, I guess. That's the only thing. Right, the right. only reason. So they're trying to put two and two together. They get to Morgan's uncle because she's one, she's like, okay, I know a guy who's on this list, and it's my uncle. So they go over to his house uh, where he's staying, and they're they're too late. And sure enough, Snakebite and his minions, uh, which I think Batrock is involved in this point. Yeah, and Batrock also Rapido. Uh, Rapido. Uh, so yeah. one of my about- favorite parts is when like you know he loses that note. And then they're all on this like interconference call, and Batrock is like bored as hell. He's ready to do some kicking and some leaping. That's what yes, he does. He is. Snake, you know, Kingman's like, okay, I think everything's going well. Snake bite, you're fucking late. And he's mad already. And then he's like, okay, how about that list? And he goes, oh, boss, sorry, I also lost that list. And then Kingman gets really mad at him. He's like, please fax this over to you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, why did you need him to have the list if you have it like you could? I don't know. Honestly, the Kingpin just wanted to be mad at Snakebite. And no, I, I understand that. I understand that. But always. yeah, that's a really cool little conference call. And it's funny. It's kind of prescient because that's what we do now. Like, literally, that's what we're doing right now. <sighs> True. Rapido, okay, before we get to Bat Rock, because I think he's quite the star in this, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's sort of the star everywhere he goes. <laughs> he is. Let's talk about Rapido here. I, I want to find out. I, I should have looked this up, but have we seen him before in Punisher comics that you guys can recall at all? No, no? this is his first appearance. First appearance. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go ahead and describe what Rapido uh, looks like slash, uh, you know, is able to do there, Derry. What's this dude look like? Rapido is a large gentleman. He has longish hair he has a beard and he has a gatling gun for a hand he has what might be both the least practical and best looking uh superpower of all time where instead of having a gun he can just hold and wield his entire arm has been replaced it's never explained why this is the case who did it how he can control it again None of that matters in Euro hit. Only that Rapido is going to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. Uh, my favorite part about the design of the character is that he is holding uh, the trail of bullets. I don't know what the formal term the is. The ammo but like, belt. The belt. Thank you. Yeah, the ammo belt. He's got it draped over like uh, Braithwaite always makes a point of drawing that onto the character. So you know he is holding this ammo belt and feeding it into his own arm. It's it's a thing of beauty. Again, I go back to my my movie comparison. Like, I just right. feels like DNA sat down and said, "What would look great? This guy has a Gatling gun front arm. Why? No, no, no. Doesn't matter why. He has it, and he's going to constantly be shooting at the Punisher when Snakebite is an in screen. So I just I love him. I appreciated the belt too, and I know this is going to sound silly, but like when you're asking people to suspend their disbelief. Like, sometimes it's the nuances that can really get you. And, like, if he was just shooting and just shooting and there was no ammo belt, I'm like, where's he getting these bullets? You know what I mean? And then he's also holding it because, like, if you're firing a light machine gun or a heavy machine gun, like, uh, a heavy machine gun, like a 50 caliber from World War II, it has its own, like, a guy would just be his job to handle the fucking, you know, belt. Right. Because otherwise it doesn't work. It has to be, like, you know, 
cajoled and canoodled, you know, so that it goes through or your, or your weapon will jam up. I don't know what would happen if his, if his arm jammed up. That sounds terrible. Did we? You know, I'm, you know, like this fucking trap jaw looking motherfucker here. Like, he can't use his arm now. But like, I really appreciated that. I know that sounds silly. Like, oh, you couldn't believe a guy has a Gatling gun arm, but he doesn't know. But you couldn't believe that he just, you know, doesn't have to hold an ammo belt. And like, I could, but then you're asking me to go further. And that nuance I, could just take care of itself. And it actually, like, I think makes it cooler. You know, I mean, because it's weird because somehow it makes it more real. You're like, oh, that is a Gatling gun because that's you, what you have to do with it. Well, you mentioned that. And the first person I think of where I, this actually had me raise my eyebrow and, and questioning things is Bushwhacker. Like Bushwhacker. Has, oh, yeah. OK. And I never could understand, like, OK, how is he firing these bullets? What is going? Is he making them himself? I, and I don't know. I've never looked he loads it up. Them, and, actually. Okay. All right. So like his gotta... arm like will come apart and he has to load it, you know. And like sometimes if you recall like in the dead man's hand thing we did, Daredevil like jams it all open. So okay. much like any other gun, like, you know, uh it has uh, you know, it has a mechanism for loading. And I I've seen Bushwhacker run out of bullets and also have to load his arm. Right. So that's Rapido, but let's talk about Batrock. Batrock must Set be discussed. All right, Dean, you're on here, buddy. Tell the people who Batrock the Leaper is and what, why we should be so worried. Well, honestly, you probably shouldn't be. But Batrock is a Leaper is a, a Captain America villain, actually. And it's great to see him here because, he, you know, he doesn't really have any superpowers, per se. He is just a super master of Savate, which is the French style of kickboxing. Kickboxing has different schools. There's one out of Thailand that's like uh, Muay Thai. You know, which is like very hard-hitting knees and stuff. Savante is much more uh, acrobatic, and it has uh, a lot less actual hand boxing, although it is legal because kickboxing, you can still punch with your hands and shit. But uh, but it has a lot more emphasis on, uh, I don't want to say super kicks because that sounds reductive, but basically a whole lot more movement, a lot more ballet-type things with, like, big finishing kicks if memory serves. And uh, then there's the American style, which I don't know. They say there's one, but it really just sounds like, hit him uh, when I read about it. But uh, but Savate <laughs> is like one of the oldest combat uh, styles in like the world. And so it's very, uh, very cool that he does that. And he basically, he's a mercenary who, you know, he's, he's really not that bad of a guy, to be honest. Like there are different times where like him and Captain America team up. He has a very peculiar sense of honor. Like when Captain America is dying in a fighting chance, like he shows up and like, you know, has a drink with him. And he's like, you know, Captain America's like, I don't, I'll, I don't have the strength to fight you, Batrock. But he's like, no, mon ami, I am his. You are my greatest enemy. I want to celebrate, you know what I mean? You know, and he really means it. Like, he looks, like, that's how he looks for it. He's constantly testing himself. Captain America is the ultimate test in his mind, but he makes money, you know, doing other things. This time he made money working for the Kingpin. And uh, you never really get that, like, hand-to-hand, -hand, like, big fight between him and Castle. I think it would be a lot like the Daredevil fights, except Castle would win, because Castle's willing to get tagged, like, four times so that he could, like, punch punch him in the throat. He's like, I don't care. And, you know, Batrock, what you do get from Batrock a lot, though, is like he has these, uh, I don't know, they're Wolverine looking like eye things coming off his mask. And it is very funny how often like one of them gets torn off or like all like burnt up and stuff. So that's so that's Batrock Zelipar. 
Uh, a favorite oh, character man. of mine, and I think this might be the only time he ever tangles with uh, the Punisher. I really, I really like them using him here, and like later in Marvel Knights, where they'll use um, uh, Zoran, the Weapons Master, and like I think Razor Fist gets involved. Like Shang Chi's there. There's a lot of like hand to hand guys from that '70s kung fu era that would fit in nicely with a lot of Punisher stories that they don't use. And also a lot of lower level Captain America villains like like Batrock or uh, uh, Crossbones, but they never really seem to like cross paths with the Punisher. Although they would fit in well here, I guess because they don't want the Punisher to kill everyone, because he would. He would. He would. He would. Uh, yeah, I, I kept waiting for uh, the Punisher to shoot Batrock because uh, he's just one of these guys. He's he is he is very funny, but my goodness. He is annoying. Like, like the 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 affectation. But that's why you like him, right? Exactly. The the affectation that Dean. I want to pass the spikes. <laughs> it's 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 all true. He doesn't want to kill Cap. He wants to prove that he's good enough to stand up to Cap. He's this terrible French stereotype. He's got the little mustache. He's got the accent. His power is to jump away from danger like he's just you know the whole the whole checklist but he's also he's like a one of the originals right he's like a kirby lee creation like he's yeah. he's got pedigree so yeah I, I i didn't expect punisher to shoot him but i was kind of hoping punisher would shoot him but uh Ted morgan does yeah no someone someone does which is always a nice a nice thing that part though where he's in the helicopter like they're trying to get away and like, you know, he's like, get to the chopper that we flew in here on and they open the door and there's like bat rock. And we're like, the one thing this did make me really, really want is uh, the guy who portrays the character in the MCU. I, I do not know. George his name. Pierre. Thank you. He came back for one of the Disney plus shows. So he clearly is, is willing to show up. So if they ever bring back John Bernthal as the Punisher and they want to have him fight that guy, I would happily watch that for an episode or two. So that, yeah. that makes me very excited that that might even be possible in the future. And, you know, George St. Pierre, very legit, you know, multi-time UFC uh, light heavyweight champion. You know, he certainly can fight in any way that you would like to fight, beat everybody of any pedigree that was big when he was big. Mm. I guess he's been yeah. retired like seven or eight years now. So in Winter Soldier, when he is when he is fighting Chris Evans or Chris Evans stunt double, like he he's a real right, like like the guy who portrays Batrock, he could kick the hell out of Chris Evans. Oh yeah, he could beat the shit out of Chris Evans. Oh okay, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. George St. Pierre's a UFC, a multi-time UFC light heavyweight champion. Like he's legit. Like he was the only guy who beat like Vanderlei Silva for a little bit. Like he he was really good. Great takedowns, great submission artist. Not a kickboxer, but it, but it doesn't matter. I'll, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Before we go on, from the first issue, my favorite moment in the first issue, and possibly my favorite moment in the whole all of Euro hit, is when the Punisher is riding with Outlaw back to his uh, back to Outlaw's hideout, and then he gets there and he pulls this gun on Outlaw, and Outlaw's like, "That's my gun." He's like, "I know, I found it in your pocket." You know, what I mean, like. <laughs> pure greatness like that is yeah. why i love the punisher as emily likes to point out a lot to, to people who like you know because she wasn't uh she knew who the punisher wasn't liked him before we got together but now obviously you know you can't spend eight seconds with me without having a newfound respect for the punisher but she's like one of the things when people would critique him she's like they're like oh well he's dour and there's something going on she's like punisher's hilarious 
like like just both intentionally and unintentionally like has good lines but also like you can just bounce anything off of him and it's pretty funny you know just because he's always the punisher and i think that is a great example of the character in of himself got over on somebody who had all of the advantages quipped them while doing it while holding them hostage with their weapon my most favorite punisher line of all time is when uh he tells spider-man we had a team up and you were great. And then you see the flashback of Frank using Spider-Man's unconscious body as a bludgeon uh, against the enemies. Cause someone it's was the Russian, to... right? I think it's, I think it might be the Russian. I think it's yeah. uh it's, it's from a Garth Ennis issue. And uh, he, someone was able to knock out Spider-Man and Frank is like, well, I'm not going to let this go to waste. And I know you can take it since you're my oldest foe. And he just uses him as a, as a, as a brutal like bludgeon. And then when Spidey wakes up, He's like, what happened? It's like, oh, we, we had a team up. You were great. And then like, you were great. You were great. It just deadpans it and walks away. And, and Spider-Man's like, yeah, all right, fine. Good. And then when, uh, whenever Emily and I finally get married, the parts where we have like quotes before you do it, like that's one of mine. <laughs> we had a team up. You were great. <laughs> so they get the Morgan's uncles too late in order to escape. They find a helicopter, jump into the helicopter. It's Morgan and the Punisher. And they end up getting shot down over Germany. Now they are looking at this list. They find the next target on the list and they head to this hotel. So Frank and Morgan are like, okay, let's go here and maybe we can stop Kingpin doing this. No, nope, the most the European Swiss mountain hotel line you can imagine. <laughs> like they, nowhere else in this place. Now, now this is in England and Germany and France. Nowhere else is it snowing right here. Seven feet of fucking snow. Like, we are in Europe, baby. And whatever Europe you associate with this area, that's the Europe you're in at this point. That's not a criticism. I love it. So they get to this hotel. They just so happen to show up after a Romanian criminal dispatches the owner of this hotel and pretends to be the owner for a little bit. And then is like, all right, I'm done with the charade. You Americans are here. He was all aware about Kingpin's plan because of this. This guy is known computer. as the bear. Yeah, he has a computer. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. What's this, funny about that is he thinks Frank and uh, Morgan are hitmen from Kingpin. Right. Right. There's, and like, uh, again, this thing is full of bad coincidences for everyone involved. <laughs> also, the bear is a piece of trash, and that's why you can't trust communists. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> State the bear, anyway. Council communists are fine. Okay. All right, then. <laughs> so the, the bear has killed, uh, you know, the hotel owner. Frank and Morgan are there. And just like you said, bad coincidence. And he's finally like, you guys are dead. Uh, instead of me just killing you right now, Frank, go ahead and take off. And I'll let my armor, uh, army chase you down. Uh, well, that leads to some great scenes where this this army, it's, a, it's what is the name? Uh, Surviving the Game. Is that the name of the uh, Ice-T movie? Where, yes, that is the name of the Ice Team. Or you could go Hard Target, uh, whichever one you want to go with. With uh, a most dangerous game, I think is the story that all that is based on. Gotcha, gotcha. So they're know. hunting Frank. Frank turns the tables. He kills the army. Goes back and he has a battle with the bear. Uh, and this, okay, now this is actually where we're we're ending these first three issues between with this battle between the bear and Frank. Uh, and this is my note. This is really my note of these first three issues. And that is. The end of that fight where apparently there is a live bear trap on the wall for decoration 
Yeah, that yeah. Frank sends this guy into, and he goes head first into it. You don't see it. It all happens off panel with a big snap. Uh, yeah, this but guy I mean, that's appropriate. He used the bear trap to kill the bear. Congratulations. I love it. I love, I love it. it. That's what that's what it was there for. If, <laughs> if the Weasley-ass, puny fucking, like, innkeepers had just thought of that when the bear first showed up and they didn't want him there, they had, they had the means to kill him the whole time. It's a bear trap. Dude, the bear is like, okay, so he shows up 37 there feet tall. This guy's huge. He grabs a guy and kills him by tossing him into a fireplace. Like, right. legit, like, I had to throw something on a fire. It's getting chilly in here or some shit like that. Threw this guy on a fireplace, killed him, took the other guy by the throat, hung him out the window, and then dropped him. Pretty big dude. And I thought he was a cool villain for one issue. <laughs> And Frank mixes mixes it up with him and, of course, kills him. That's Don't my worry. Note. He'll kill some more Eastern European ex-communists very soon. <laughs> Parts one Plenty more three. where that one came from. I think it's really funny when they're first at Outlaw's place. First off, when Micro puts on the, what appears to be a Nickelodeon Guts costume in order to uh, storm the uh, fucking Outlaw's fortress. So, because that's where I Frank wondered gets. what the hell he was wearing. I didn't it, like, it looks like that, right? Like, he's got the helmet and everything. Right, um, dude. I also like how the I love Outlaw. And one of the things is, like, he keeps trying to tell them he's useful, and they're old and dumb, so they keep, like, pushing him off, and they're like, ah, oh, clippers, what could this be? Maybe it's a hairdresser. He's like, it is a company, and I know... <laughs> I'm from here. You he's trying, yeah, he's trying to be useful, and he yeah. is. And they're right. just like, you know, dismissive of him. And he's like, no, guys, listen. It's like there he talked about, like, I don't think the Punisher wants him to necessarily get involved um, right. because he doesn't want something bad to happen, like I said. But at the same time, you know, it's one of the things that's very interesting about Frank. I like that about him, but also I'm like, wow, fucking pious, hypocritical much, Mr. Castle. I also, you know, and when they do finally go on a mission, Outlaw is, uh, you know, he doesn't quite think, and he gets shot in the Kevlar and taken off or taken out for a little bit. Punisher, one of the weird things about this issue, too, uh, is he does a lot of assuming. He just assumes these British people, these British gangsters won't have guns, but they do. I know that, like, there aren't many guns in Great Britain, particularly in Comparis and to here, but, like, there are some, and the people who have them are going to be the people illegally loading stolen goods onto a big truck in the middle right. of the night. You should know right. this, Frank. But all in all, the first three issues set up things nicely. You you already feel in the whirlbang tornado feel of the uh, of how Europe it's going to be. You've seen all of the major players, I think, except Tarantula by this point. Again, it, it feel, I, I keep going back to this. It feels like a James Bond movie with more action. You know, I don't know. You, you know, I don't know if there's like a spy series. It's like James Bond, but more people get kicked and shot. I'm not a big James Bond fan, but what I remember of it, this is this is kind of how it would feel. I, again, I think my favorite moment is this, this the part with Outlaw. That's just that's just so good. And let's just also say that all through this, whenever the Kingpin shows up, they do a great job of displaying the gravitas that Wilson Fisk has both legitimately and illegitimately. Like everybody respects him. He is a big deal. He is on the news. When henchmen talk about him, you know, they don't bat, you know, they don't badmouth him too much. I don't remember if it's in the first three issues, it might be in the next three. But at one point, Batrock calls Morgan a bitch in French. I looked it up. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. I did not know that. It's like it's like CN they they moss or something. I looked it up and it said like female dog. And I'm like, even he called her a bitch. Oh <laughs> wow. Take that comics code. 
got one by you. Uh, Barry, what do you think? First three issues, man. One of the things I really appreciate about Euro Hit, and it's on full display in the first third, is, uh, or rather the first three issues, is issue titles for all seven issues. Again, they just have like weird action movie cliches. Like issue one is called Arrivals, and it's in an airport, and Frank is arriving from the States. The second one is called French Connections, and it has them going to France and and all this nonsense. And I just really appreciated that because, again, I, I just – James Bond, fine, but this is some sort of action movie. It just happens to be a comic. Uh, and go, going Later along – go to London, it's capital punishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at one point right. – it's like one of them is like time is running out or something. And the cover is Frank hanging off Big Ben or something like that. And it's just, <laughs> or no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, it's in Switzerland and he's hanging off the Swiss the timing. Fi- Swiss timing. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it's just this like, you Get guys the European are, clock right, dearie. <laughs> yeah, they're clearly enjoying themselves. And whether that's just because they're, they're British by birth or they really wanted to do this or what have you, they're having fun. Like, and, and I, and that really comes through here. And uh, it, it made this even better to read because not only is it a good action story, a good Punisher story, it's just every once in a while it gets a good chuckle out of me. Uh, and no more when uh, the Punisher goes through the the tunnel on the motorcycle he has taken and his inner narration is talking about how he has nothing to declare. And then he hits a guy with the motorcycle right. and then starts shooting everyone. It makes jokes about how the gun manufacturer is the one who stamped his passport. And I was I was just laughing. I was just laughing out loud. Like again, I, I pictured Dolph Lundgren and Arnold Schwarzenegger saying those lines, and I just it, it took me back to a better place. The last thing I wanted to say, and 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 Dean hit on this already, is the presentation of of the Kingpin, where it's just you know normally when he shows up, he's a gangster and all this other stuff. Here in this storyline, Wilson Fisk is the guy in charge of opening up the tunnel, which is a real world thing that was being worked on at the time. I mean, this entire story takes place about a year before, you know, the European Union would be really formalized. But like this is kind of a rip from the headlines thing. I I love the idea that Wilson Fisk is head of the conglomerate. He's the public face. He's going to get all this stuff together. He stands to make pretty much unlimited money. But that's not enough for him because he is also the supervillain, the kingpin. He has decided, I'm also going to take over and unify European crime. And it's just one of those things where only in superhero comics, like that's that's such a Lex Luthor thing where like I already control all of the Fortune 100 companies, but I also want to control Intergang just because, just so I can say just that. Just so I can. Well, yeah, I yeah. Kingpin's point, like. Listen, he's got this legitimate European stuff, the tunnel, probably some other holdings. He's going to be spending a lot more time there. Needs a hobby. Yeah. Needs something to do while he's there. What if I ran the crime gangs? Yeah. What if I did that? Oh, well, that's good. Also, I'll buy uh, Manchester United. (laughs) I really liked it because, and this isn't made super apparent in the text itself, but it kind of adds another dimension to the kingpin, like I, I, I know Jesse at least has seen all of the wire, um, and in that it's always like, well, why do these, why do these kingpins always fail? And it's because they get hung up on one thing or the other, where it's like, I, I, it's got to be about this certain aspect of their lives, and you see that with Wilson Fisk. Like I almost wanted someone to sit him down and be like, sir, why are we bothering with the criminals and the guns and everything else? Like, why, why are we doing this? And for him to say, well, like, because I have to, because I, I need to, you know, that's my thing. I, I am the kingpin. 
uh, and for him to be unable to to let that go. Again, that's not in the text, but that's kind of how I read it. Because again, it's just like you're 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 about to 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 win the lottery, dude, and yeah. you don't have to, to tussle with the daredevil until next month. Each issue opens with a little uh, editor footnote that says this takes place before Daredevil 300, which I believe would close out the Kingpin saga for that particular era. Yeah, um, it's when he it's the downfall of the Kingpin. That's yeah. the one where. Daredevil gets Hydra to go after him and the FBI and like, he's also kicking him. Watch yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought that was great. I thought good use of existing villains, funny, memorable scenes. Again, I I'm a huge, huge, uh, Braithwaite fan from, uh, universe X paradise X justice. Like, I think he's a great artist. Uh, I did not realize he did this until I started reading it. So that was a pleasant surprise. Uh, and he knocks it out of the park with, uh, you know, page usage, splash pages, design work. Like, this is a dream to read even 30 years later. Okay, the thing for me about Kingpin and his so-called legitimate businesses, though, is obviously sometimes they result in something tangible, e.g. this ch- the channel. But mostly they're just, they're, they're like other Bob businesses. They're fronts. They don't really exist. And the money that is in them is money that he's getting from his illegitimate businesses. So I think to me, like in my head, Cannon, he has to keep him going because he doesn't really make any money any other way. You're you're not wrong. And for the purposes of the story, I wouldn't fight you on that. But there's also I know you idea- wouldn't look at how strong I am. <laughs> but there's also this idea of like, you know, in the show Breaking Bad, they talk about this, where it's like at a certain point, you get all the money. Like you get all the money. Like what, right. what at what point do you just say, like, I I have enough money? Like uh, a big part of Kingpin's narrative and and you see this in the movie the spider-verse is he has trouble keeping his family together because he has anger issues he was abused as a kid and and all this other stuff he's got going on in his life and there's a good argument to be made that like well if he really cared about all that stuff eventually he would say i have enough i'm done i'm gonna back out and i'm gonna you know retire with vanessa and richard and see if i can get some grandkids out of the equation but he never does that because again he's done it a couple times but it never works out you know just when they think I'm out, you pull me back in, you know? Yeah, I mean, I literally, I just... You're saying, though, just like the guy in Breaking Bad, part of Wilson Fisk always wanted back in. My my point is that, you know, and again, this is the plot of of The Godfather. I mean, this is is literally exactly what happens with The Godfather. It's like, Wilson could have everything he wanted, and he'd wake up every day, and if someone bad-mouthed him, even if they weren't trying to, even if they had no idea who he was, he would stew until he had murdered their entire family. Like, that's that's who he is. That's why we're interested in him as a character. And I think that comes through here. You know, even if he's sitting on conference calls and faxing things in and probably reviewing, you know, agreements and, and, and tariffs and all this other stuff. Taking a lunch. Yeah, he's doing all this stuff in the back of the head. And he's thinking, man, I can't wait to get back to Hell's Kitchen and punch a blind man in the stomach. I can't wait to do some really <laughs> petty stuff because that's, you know, that's when I, I get the suit pressed. I go to the gym you know I make sure my nails are done. I, I get ready for that. All this other stuff that I stand to make billions, billions of dollars from. It just doesn't it just doesn't get me going. Oh, wow. Like, I hope somebody bad mouths me so bad today that I slam their head in the corridor until they're decapitated. That, that's that's what I think. That's what I think drives him. That's why I think he's still 
the kingpin of crime instead of just being this, you know, this guy with his own island somewhere. Response to your humor comment, too. It's true. It is very funny, but it's British funny. And that's really neat to read in a Punisher comic. And it's not like you don't get the humor, but it's just slightly askew. The puns are crisper. Like, anything can be funny. Like, when later on, Outlaw is trying to talk to Micro. Hey, tell Frank I'm doing good. Tell my shoulder's better. Tell him <laughs> oh, it's my like, shoulder hurts still a little bit, you know, but that's all right. <laughs> right, right. It's a little stiff. Right, right. Like, even that is in a way that, like, like it just it just seems, seems a little British. Right. Well, one last thing that uh, I no, wanted no. to mention. Every issue has a pinup in the back um, that isn't necessarily connected with the story you read, but it's fine. I definitely would have uh, pulled these out and hung them on my wall. For part two of Euro Hit, (laughs) the pinup in the back is a thing of beauty. It is the Punisher on a snowmobile going through what appears to be a, a ski resort shooting people but the the uh snowmobile is branded in the punisher skull with the black and the white and i got a kick out of that both because i could see him telling micro hey i need this i can't tell you why i need this but i absolutely need this and then going back to the bond analogy you know on her majesty's secret service is set in a ski resort and i absolutely could see punisher being like i'm gonna go skiing but mostly to kill bad guys Oh yeah, pin-ups. my favorite pinup was the uh, the one from the first part, Punisher and Typhoid Mary, mm-hmm. which is uh, yeah. as far as I know they've never crossed paths. But wow, that's going to be interesting. I didn't. All right, well, hey, it's parts four and five. Frank and Morgan uh, make their way to Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, he breaks up with an assassination attempt by a snake bite on the Swiss and Italian cartels, leading to a car chase and another fight with Batrock. Escaping, they use some intel to head to a ski lodge to to find the tarantula. And the Spanish syndicate waiting on them. Frank and Morgan, let's stop. Okay. Because we need to talk about the tarantula. Tarantula is uh, was created around the same time as Punisher, right? Weren't they? Weren't um, they uh... I know yeah, the second think, appearance uh, of the Punisher has a Yeah, the cover. first appearance of the tarantula, I think, is like the second appearance of the Punisher. Okay. I want to say. Um, but yeah, they're created around the same time for sure. And around the... In real time, you know, it, when they were uh, neophytes, they did run into each other with Spider-Man in the background. There's I, actually a really cool scene in that one where, like, Punisher, like, knocks Spider-Man down. And, like, right before he does, Spider-Man's like, ah, crap, not you. And he knocks him. He goes, that's right, Spider-Man. It's the Punisher. He's got, like, a submachine gun pointed at him. But, yeah, Tarantula and Punisher were intertwined then. And then I think this is the next time they talk. I don't even know if it's the same tarantula because I know at some point he gets replaced by That's someone. That's right. That's right. It might not be the same tarantula. I forgot about that. Yeah, but I I love Does tarantula. Does the wisp kill him or something? Yeah, that sounds right. I, I don't remember offhand, I don't remember but uh, that, that, that I knew he got right. replaced though. You're right. This is a different. I think. This yeah, is yeah. And they don't spend a lot of time with the the man beneath the mask. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's not. Spanish, right? He's he's Latino, I think. The, the I thought he was from Venezuela. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So but at the same time, like they make it clear he got hired. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of no. course. Of course. They're not saying he's from Spain. He just happens to be uh, in the Spain issue. But yeah, Tarantula is great. Tarantula is one of these, you know, uh, '70s Spider-Man villains, and his gimmick, or at least it became his gimmick, is that he has spikes on his boots that have poison on them. So. Similar to Batrock, where uh, he's kicking people, you know, he he's just got he's just got to get uh, one good swipe, and uh, you're going to be poisoned to death because of his feet. So he's he's an interesting gimmick character. I, I actually always thought he had a great character. Um, oh, excuse really me, really good costume. costume. 
Yeah, costume. I, I I thought he had one of those great costumes. You don't really need to update it too much. It's not it's not that dated. Past that, unfortunately, there's not too much for the character. I like him showing up here. You know, he's got the pre-existing relationship with Punisher, but also he's just, you know, he's one of these mercenaries. He's like, hey, we got to kill right. a bunch of normal people, but it's the Marvel Universe. So I'm going to hire a guy with a costume who's got poison feet as opposed to just getting like, you know, I don't know, a guy with a sniper rifle. So, uh, you know, it's it's a good spectacle. But, uh, right. I'm, but I'm if a you were going to get a guy with a sniper rifle, you sh- you could just get a deceased Punisher villain sniper. Sniper. Hmm. You could do that. You could do that. So whatever you want, like in the Marvel Universe, if you want to hire like a mercenary who's like, you know, oh, man, he broke the top off of a paper cutter and now he slashes people with it. <laughs> like, oh, you know, you know, <laughs> paper cut. You know, like that's who this is. Like, he's there for you. Like, you know, I mean, there's, there's guys there. I love that about the Marvel Universe where every once in a while someone's like, oh, I need someone to do a job. And then you turn the page and it's just some like absurd B-level villain. And it's like, cause this is what these guys get up to when they're not like fighting the, you know, when Baron Zemo is not like, Hey, I need a hundred people to storm Avengers tower. Right. It's like, it's like, how do we pay rent? Well, I put on a costume and I murder a bunch of people that the superheroes are never going to care about. Cause they're either already scumbags or, you know, they're not related to Betty Brandt and they or just they're do fighting it. in the secret wars. Exactly. And exactly. I'm the Beatles. <laughs> I have nothing to do with that. I was trying to make a couple grand here, brother. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dean, what do you think of the tarantula, man? Anything to add? That, that pretty much sums it up. I, I think, like I said, I, I think he looks good. I think they really uh, do a good job with him. It's fun that he winds up teaming up with the Punisher. And it's uh, it's fun. They, they keep getting across. One of the things is even though he's a mercenary, he's very loyal. Like at one point, you know, um, he gets accused of being disloyal because there's a traitor in the Spanish cartel who is not him. It turns out to be someone who is related to the Dawn. Um, uh, but like he's like, no, you bought my loyalty. Like, you know, I think he firmly believes in that, that he's like, no, I signed you signed the check and I signed the contract. and You don't have to worry about anything else, right. but, you know. Even though some people are like, well, how could you trust the mercenary if they'll just go to the other side? It's kind of like the line from the uh, Bob Dylan song, Absolutely Sweet Marie, to live outside the law, you must be honest. Because, like, what else do you have? Like, if you're going to, like, sell drugs and front people drugs and you need to bring the money back, why do they bring it back? Because they want more. And if you start to get a rep, like, oh, I don't, I don't pay my debts or I'll sign both sides, like, I'm the tarantula and I'll work for the Spanish guys and the kingpin. You won't work for people very long because either no one will work for you or someone will just take you out because you can't be trusted. I think he puts a lot of stock into that. I really enjoy that about the character. I think it's funny that Batrock has this weird, like, he goes, I've heard people compare us. I must defeat you. And you're like, have you? Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, possibly, but like, I don't mean to say this bad about the tarantula, but I feel like Batrock is in like a slightly higher echelon in Captain America's villains than tarantula is in like Spider-Man's. Sure. So like, aren't you like, oh. ah, that guy's a little below me, right? But apparently not. Batrock has, you know. Oh. Batrock pays attention to anybody that uses right. their feet. Anybody right, that right, uses right. their feet to battle, it's on his list. Be careful if he walks by the playground and you're playing kickball and you happen to have that mistletoe. <laughs> He was like, no! <laughs> I am Zilly Parsi Kicker! That's a good point, though, because if you if you had a list like the top dozen cap villains, it's quite possible Batrock's going to make it for 12. But if you had to name the top 
two dozen Spider-Man villains, Tarantula doesn't get anywhere near mm. that. So, uh, so that that yeah. is a good point. But uh, but you know, so I like Tarantula. I like everything he does here. You know, everything's everything he does is cool. From uh, his kicking to putting on that super glider suit that they all wear at oh, the yeah. end. That I oh, think yeah. is amazy. So looks like it was more... lifted from some like Nickelodeon kid show, like uh, that Alex Mack show or something. Like you know, looked like something oh, yeah. somebody would have used on one of those or or the I mean, Adventures of like... Pete and Pete. Do you not want scene? The best television not... show of all time. If you do not want scene, I would say pick the least bright color. That you, right. I mean, what were they hoping to blend in with? It certainly wasn't, I mean, anything in the city. I guess a cloud because they were like. <laughs> it's the only white. thing I could think of. <laughs> Completely <laughs> bright white. Make so, sure it's uh, the puppy clouds too. None of those storm ones. <laughs> Frank and Morgan are taken to northern Spain where they surprisingly find another uncle of Morgan's, Uncle Paco, who is uh, apparently one of the lieutenants or he's up there on the scale when it comes to the Spanish syndicate. But soon they are besieged by Snakebite's men and discover they are betrayed by Miguel, the matador, facing off with the matador. Frank escapes when a stampede of bulls, which he, he, he orchestrated that whole thing, escapes when a stampede of bulls runs over Miguel, gores him, and Frank grabs a hold of the horns and just holds on for dear life. At the end of this two parts, uh, it looks like Tarantula and Morgan get on a plane. Frank hops on just in the nick of time and head back to London. Snakebite, Rapido, and Batrock look to follow. So of these two issues here, that's it. Uh, Dean, what do you got for these two issues, man? I just remember, actually, I remember um, the the scene where, like, Batrock and the Punisher are fighting during the car chase after uh, – the Italian mob after they, you know, they tried to take out the Swiss and the Italian mob at the same time. And like Batrock is just, you know, basically toying with the Punisher, but somehow like, because the Punisher grabs onto the windshield, like they stops the car and he grabs onto the windshield, Batrock like flies out of it. Just yeah. silly. And then Snakebite is just bad mouthing Batrock, like up one side and down the other, you know, not treating Zenifera with the respect he deserves. This is a man who has kicked Captain America. So, like, at one point, like, you know, Snakebite and, and his co-pilot, you know, the helicopter, in a helicopter, they get, uh, it crashes, and they're hanging upside down, he's like, zero in a mob position to get us down, and Batrock's like, oh, I will, um, you half-wit, because that's what he had called them earlier. So, it's funny to see that uh, acrimony between Snakebite and, and Batrock, and also, at the beginning of one issue, where, where like, they're, they're staking out, because Snakebite's going to try and kill <clears throat> these people in the Italian and Swiss mob at the same time. Punisher staking out the town and then like he gets a phone call from like micro and Morgan's like it's happening now and Frank won't get off the phone bro just hang up like this is happening like right now like nothing micro said couldn't have been said in like 30 minutes that, okay I'm like, that I'm old, like, dude, you're acting all of a sudden like you care what Micro has to say. All you usually do is tell him to, like, get you food and money and guns and leave you alone. Now all of a sudden, like, I can't hang up Micro. I cannot hang up the phone. Whatever, Frank. Just hang up the phone and go take care of business. This this second part of Eurohit is a lot like an episode of Seinfeld where you watch it and you think, man, this entire thing could have been avoided if any of you had a cell phone. Yes. That's how I yes. felt. Oh, right reading this where it's like wow you you had a piece of paper that had the list of names and then you, you're all trying to figure out a, a, a password a passcode passphrase whatever it is and then you have one guy in the story who's super powerful lack of a better term is that he knows computers he does machines uh so it's just one of those things where it was like only in 1992 could you have pulled this off 
But five uh, texts would have just taken care of the whole problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things where um you know, just a few years later and, and the mechanics would have been different. But uh, I don't know if this is established anywhere, but I have it in my head that Frank is just a complete Luddite. Like, that's why he needs micro. That's why he needs everything yeah. else. Because if you were to give him a computer and tell him like, oh, hey, you can order ammo and everything else. He would just look at you and be like, I'm not I'm not touching that. I, I, I'm not going anywhere near it. So how about you do it for me? Quick yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I I like to in in these two issues, uh, it keeps the action quotient up because you know every couple of issues they're moving scenery, they're moving locations. They don't spend too much time with that. There's no like text walls about what this place is and why it matters. It's also not the American view of these places. Like again, it just feels very natural. It's like, well, now we're in Spain and now this is the locale and he's going to draw some beautiful stuff, but Punisher is still in a car chase with a Frenchman dressed in purple. So I, I really liked it. It didn't pull me when out. When in Rome. When in Rome, exactly. Uh, which ironically, I don't think they go to Rome in Europe. No, they do not. <laughs> it keeps the momentum going. It's two great issues. Uh, I kept thinking like, if these were the next two in my file, I'd be like, yep, good, great. You know, we're not losing momentum in act two of a seven-part series. Uh, another appearance by uh, Rapido or Rapido or however you pronounce it. Uh, Rapido. He, he is always a delight, and uh, I love him. By the end of this, by issue five, we're heading back to London. All right, let's get into these. Uh, I'll read this uh, for parts six and seven of Euro Hit. Frank, Micro, Tarantula, Outlaw, and Morgan come up with a way to stop Kingpin's plan by infiltrating Omni Tower, where Kingpin plans to do double duty, gathering and killing the heads of the crime families under the guise of a meeting, and then also meeting on the rooftop with legit businessmen about the, the Channel Tunnel what as an, an alibi. alibi. Yeah. What an alibi. I'm sorry. I was in a multi-million dollar business deal when these people got slaughtered five floors down. Everybody saw me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't miss him. <laughs> no, you cannot. As Batrock battles the tarantula and outlaw faces a rapido, Frank confronts Snakebite, exposing Fisk's plan to all the criminals at the meeting. Chasing Snakebite after he opens fire, open fires, something like that, right? Frank runs into Kingpin, but misses his chance when Batrock runs into him, knocking him over. Snakebite shoots Morgan, enraging Frank, and then Snakebite tries to make escape an escape to Fisk's helicopter. Fisk knocks him off helicopter and leaves him there on the rooftop to deal with Frank. Frank gets stabbed in the shoulder, but sends Snakebite off the side of the building into some safety nets. Then we get a bit of a battle there as well. But by the end of it, Tarantula, Punisher, and Outlaw are still alive. Also, Morgan, who got shot, is still alive as well. They leap off the side of the building with special glide suits, landing them safely at the bottom while Morgan is rescued by the authorities. At the end, Looking Outlaw like gives up. from the tick. <laughs> at the end, Outlaw gives up crime fighting. Fisk opens the channel tunnel while Frank and Micro head home, but not after being told by the authorities to never come back to Europe again. I should say, Snakebite, by the way, they got into a little tussle on the, in the safety nets, him and Frank, because Frank was uh, down there with him, and I think Snakebite meets his end. He falls off of yeah. the side of this building, out of his safety net, onto he the ground. He gets impaled. Like, the thing he stabs uh, Punisher with winds up on the safety net with them. So oh, when it's okay. like, when it, when like one side pulls out, it goes like that way and it like gets him in the eye and then he falls. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. Snake bite uh, has made. We assume we never see a body. 
That's true. Batrock versus Tarantula. This was my favorite fight of this whole series. I loved it. Granted, just like you were saying, Tarantula's down there when it comes to the rogues gallery, but man, did I like watching these two go at it. I wanted to see them fight because they tussle, you know, initially when it's in, they're in Spain and then watching them go at it again. It was just natural to me and it was a fun fight to watch. Most of Euro hit is the Punisher going from place to place to place trying to save the lives of criminals, which is kind of a, um, a reversal of what he normally does. Uh, and, you know, he's not super successful, but he's at least trying to to save off something worse from being created. And then you get to the last two issues, and Snakebite kind of accomplishes his plan. You know, he, he does end up killing all of the, uh, not even lieutenants, the top bosses who were collected here. So I kind of thought, like, not that Frank wanted him to succeed, but at the same time, it's like, oh, man, I really didn't want you to do that, but I'm probably not losing too much sleep that you, you know, one criminal murdered a bunch of other ones. Uh, so I thought that was a that was a pretty fun resolution. Plus, plus Punisher killed all of the uh, lieutenants who were going to take over. So, like, the family yeah, was yeah, going to yeah. wind up with whoever their, like, third guy or fourth guy down was. I guess the uh, the the speaker of the mafia house will now ascend <laughs> to the presidency or what have you. Right, right. <laughs> Just from a plot point of view, the kingpin was going to kill the number one guy. He had stake by kill the number two guy. And then yeah. kingpin's men would have been the number three guys. And right. they would have taken over. And, they taken and over. now Punisher has killed all the number three guys. And yeah. then, yeah, whoever survived for number two or number four are taking over, right. and they're going to be kind of in disarray, even though you know Europe's about to be united in a completely different way. So, yeah, no, that that all makes sense. Again, I, I don't, I didn't think there was anything unresolved. It was just one of those funny things where I was like, oh, good, you know, uh, you know, someone got to kill the bad guys anyway. The the cliffhanger on the sixth issue, the penultimate issue, annoyed me so much because the the uh, elevator door open and the kingpin is standing there and he just says punisher and part of me is like oh come you know he's not going to shoot him you know right. he, he can't shoot a villain that belongs to some other guy you know it's not <laughs> it, was, it was so annoying because part of me you know had this you know the movie inglorious bastards or yeah. spoilers but at the end the characters murder uh, adolf hitler and and all of his uh, little buddies, and I just kind of wanted that here. I just wanted the Punisher to just kill the kingpin, and then get to the end and just be like, "Oh man, what do, what do I do now?" Like, just have have someone have to explain why he's not going to be in the next issue of Daredevil or whatever. But obviously, that wasn't going to happen. But I, I thought that was great. And again, I just kept imagining like a movie scene of the two leads finally meeting after you know ninety minutes of of them never actually getting together. Uh, you did that feeling in a, that scene in Secret Wars, though. Where, like, the Kingpin and his friends have all gotten together to, like, watch the end of the world because, like, they can't do anything about it. And Punisher shows up and he's like, they say you can't take it with you, which begs the question, what am I going to do with all these bullets? <laughs> and then he blows them away before the world ends. Secret Wars 2015 for me, that it starts on a really high note with the scene you just described. And we're talking about the Jonathan Hickman series for anyone who doesn't know, but the, it, it starts on a really high note with what you're talking about. And then the six, one, six versus the Ultiverse, And then the rest is just complete rambling nonsense, but yeah, that it starts on this really, really high note. So I, I'm with you a hundred percent. And um, in my head cannon for sure. It's I don't know when, and you don't know when, and nobody knows today, but one day the Punisher is just going to kill the fat man. 
That's yeah. just what's going to happen. Like, he just, like, yeah. one day, it doesn't matter any reason why he shouldn't, which there are reasons not to, but he's just like, you know what? Today's the day. After all these reminders throughout these issues, okay, so, like I said, first issue of this dropped in June of 92. Yeah. Our final issue we are getting September. late. It says late September on the inside. Late September of 92. So, we keep getting reminded about, hey, folks, this happened before Daredevil 300. Daredevil 300, according to what I'm seeing here, dropped January of 92. Yeah. So, yeah, you talk about the Kingpin staring down Frank and you being like, oh, oh, here we go, but wait a second. We obviously know the Kingpin, if you're reading Daredevil, the Kingpin's going to live at least past this interaction at some point. Also, what was interesting, too, is all the captions that were like, you know, Punisher's like, we've been here three months. Apparently, this adventure takes, like, months. Wow. <laughs> I don't know the exact number, but it is, it is like, two months or so. No, no. You're, you're right. And, and I mentioned earlier that I read the follow-up arc uh, by the same creative team, and that's actually a, a huge plot point, that right. Punisher was in Europe long enough for the the, the people he hadn't bothered killing in New York to kind of step up and say, oh, I, I guess it's safe to come out. So that when he comes home, all of these very low-level people who had been beneath his notice are suddenly making power grabs. And he's like, what, I took the summer off to go to Europe and I come back and you all think you're big people? And he like <laughs> he like really steps up his game to the to the point where the city of New York has to respond. But but that that's a separate issue. But yeah, timing-wise, He's he's gone at least a month, if, if not more. That doesn't necessarily come through here, but there's a lot of quick jumps where, like, yeah. you know, you see him at the beginning of, of the penultimate issue and they're back at Nigel's headquarters. Like, days or weeks have passed to, to get right. this thing set up because, you know, we go from the tunnel still being built to being ready to be open. So someone somewhere got overtime on that job. The the only other thing I wanted to say, my, my favorite line in all seven issues of Euro hit is at the very end when uh, Mike Crow says to Frank, like, food in England was terrible. All I want to do is go home and get my favorite sandwich from the deli on the corner. And as a New Yorker, I felt that. I felt that in my heart, and I really appreciated that. It's the very last line in a comic about Europe written by three people from Europe. So I want to give a shout out to that. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for two things. First off, admitting your food sucks because it does. <laughs> and second, and, and, I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I'm sorry, but like just English food. And I like a lot of food from a lot of places, but like at no point have I been like looked at an English breakfast, for instance, and be like, boy, that looks fucking delicious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, so number one, thank you for that. And number two, yeah, when you live in a big city and not just New York City, but when, you know, I lived in Atlanta, I had my favorite store that I went to that made sandwiches. I lived in Philly. We had like two stores that we could walk to that made sandwiches and stuff. And like, you get attached to them. It is, it is a big deal. And there comes a point where like, if you move somewhere else, for like three months after I moved to Connecticut, I was like, I don't know. Nobody here could make a sandwich because he's too used to those. So that was a so really good point on both of them. It's a really good point there. And, you know, congratulations to those two for admitting these things. <laughs> 
One of the best parts, though, is when the, the Batrock tarantula fight. And when Batrock like, beats the shit out of him, the tarantula's like, yeah, but I won. <laughs> one hit. All I needed I was, was like, one hit. I got you once, and that's all it takes. I got this poison, and then Batrock's looking for an antidote, which we can assume he finds because there's no big, like, polybagged death of Batrock issue that happens or anything. Um, you know, he just seems to go on to be fine. He's in, like, Captain America, like, 412 or 413 or somewhere around there. But, but I remember that so clearly because I had that issue and I would read it again and again. And I was like, I wish Tarantula would show up more because I didn't know. There's no Wikipedia really. He didn't get any cards in the Marvel set, so I didn't know much oh, about it. It's he, true. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't you know, so I was trying to. I was like, man, he's cool. I wish he'd show up more. I think the conversation between Morgan and Outlaw is fun. Uh, you know, funny rather because like Outlaw does not stop being uh, a Punisher guy. Oh, really? No, in Suicide Run, he learns that the Punisher's been killed, uh, killed in quotes. And he's like, oh, I got to get over to America, you know, to avenge my buddy. But like, he's like, yeah, but like all my bikes and guns are here. And then the bartender's like, well, I guess you can buy more in America. He's like, you're right. They have guns and bikes in America. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, he becomes a, he's a part of that storyline. And I don't know what he does after that, but I don't think he gives up, you know, being a pun, you know, a. a you know, not a Punisher clone per se, but a vigilante, if you vigilante. will. Yeah, the Arthur, the Arthur from Tick Looking Suits, just, you know, they, they're funny to me, but they, they do the trick. All in all, like, it wraps up very nicely. The comparisons to, like, an action movie are just appropriate. Like, this is, this is not must-read for somebody. I would not say that. If you're a Punisher fan, it is, you know, like, this is really fun. But, like, if you're just looking for a good popcorn comic, like, you could do a lot worse than these seven issues, which are just high-octane, jet-setting, all-over-the-place action. And, you know, for, like, the $1.25 you'd spend a piece on them, you know, I think I think you got your, uh, what, $10 worth? I'd say this was $10 worth of excitement. Yeah, I had a good time. I know that I enjoyed myself. I mean, I was I, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was Euro hit. I knew he was over in London. What in the world is he going to do? And getting the appearances of some of those regional villains slash vigilantes showing up was a great little spice to a Punisher story. Seeing him mix it up with those people along with the Kingpin being over there as well you know that a familiar villain that we all know and love from the united states is over here and now he's got his hands in what's uh, you know the european criminal organizations he's lucky so, count nefarian didn't hear about this <laughs> there's all no kidding it was a lot of fun so yeah that's the best way to describe it is it's, it's just fun and it, and it, it pulls very few punches if you're not willing to just like go along for the ride you know, you won't be able to keep up because, like, it goes very fast. Uh, and I I appreciate that about it. It was a perfect read as a very young man. And as the old man I am now, it's still pretty close to that for me. We're talking about the pinups in this thing. You guys got a favorite cover of the seven. My favorite cover is the cover that they used for the Capital Punishment Epic Collection, which I think is the, uh, the first uh, cover. It's, you know, the Punisher with the gun and all the European flags. That's okay. absolutely my favorite. I mean, I'm a geography mark, so I like looking at European flags. Uh, I actually did a project when I was in sixth grade, right around the time when I was getting into the Punisher, where I like I did a project dealing with a bunch of, like, I would take a flag and I would have to, like, do a, a mini report about the country. And so I'd pick mm -hmm. a bunch of European places because uh, I was interested in World War II and stuff. So that just strikes me as awesome. Just, it's just perfect. Punisher, right. big gun, 
flags. Tells you what's happening. I'm going with Rapido and his uh, holding up the you know the Punisher T-shirt with all the holes in it. That yeah, is that's a good uh, one. That's a really good one. Yeah, that I, I'm going to go with Another that one. Another guy who will be in Suicide Run. Really? Okay. And there's also Euro Hit Part Two, which is a Punisher annual that he is in. Uh, I have to give it to issue 67, Punisher punching the guy through the face of the clock, uh, where <laughs> yeah. the text below says time's up i just I'm, up. I'm a sucker for that like i just i i need that in my life i love that i got a kick out of it when i saw it and uh again just good good popcorn comics i don't have a bad thing to say about it all right guys we did it punisher euro hit seven part series is in the books let's go ahead we'll get into plugs it's been a fun time dean compton unspoken decade why don't you tell everybody about it all right, man. Well, we're over at theunspokendecade.com. Uh, you know, a lot of articles there to look at. There's several Punisher things I've written. Uh, so take a look at those. Uh, we actually just uh, welcomed Chris Norris, Bankman007, to, uh, uh, over to the Facebook side. And he's been posted a little more. Really good guy. Maybe we'll get him on one of these at some point. Um, he says he doesn't have the technological capability to do podcasting, but all you need is a phone, brother. Right. So, so we're over there and uh, at Unspoken Decade on Twitter, where I'm still going through the 90, 91 card set at uh, different times. And I'm also posting other things, uh, you know, other covers and other uh, 90s comics that appeal to me. Uh, and that's where you'll find us. Reach out, you know, tell us what you think about anything, especially if it's good. What I'm really interested in is positive <laughs> feedback, affirmations. Yeah, well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, the Source Material Comics feed is where you can find the Unspoken Issues podcast. We're on the W2M network. Unspoken Issues, we have a lot of episodes out there. So you guys could check that out. And of course, you know, we we completed our coverage of the 18 chapters of Unity. Me and these two guys, we talked for close, well, I know we talked for over six hours. Edited down, it's definitely a little bit less than that, but that's just because we had so much to say. And I, so check that out 18 chapters of Unity. And I think that's about it. I'm not going to really plug anything else. So for Derry Wait, for Dean Compton, I'm Jesse Starcher. We'll be talking to you soon. One of the from Sounds great. <laughs> All right, later. Thanks for joining us. Unspoken Issues is part of the UnspokenDecade.com, the home for 90s comics, blogs, and podcasts. Unspoken Issues also has a Facebook group you can join if you are interested. Just search the Unspoken Issues podcast and request to join. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com and the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon. Uh, 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 uh.